Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. precious places we can go to in the Old Testament they was uh, objects in the tabernacle was just objects until they was anointed and once they was anointed they became holy unto the Lord so we have anointed this place as holy unto the Lord so we thank God for it so let's let's pray and ask God to touch us anoint us let us understand this word, hide it in our heart, hallelujah, for his benefit. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for this holy word, God. We thank you for what it means, Lord Jesus. It is the very breath of life, Lord God. It is the very bread of life, too. We ask you this day, Lord God, to anoint us, Lord God, each and every one of us. Father, we don't want to just mark time, God. We want to hear from you. We want this holy word, Lord God, to spark interest in us, Lord God, to touch our minds, renew our hearts, Lord God, and strengthen us, Lord God. Touch us, each and every one, Lord God. Anoint those out back. Anoint them ministering today. Father, we need you, God, your guidance and direction, Lord God. We don't take this for granted, God. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Touch us this day. God, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. began the series on uh, possessing the promise last week. Today's part is called following the leader. Since it deals with um, the people searching out the promised land, before I actually go, it's found in Joshua, the first chapter, but I want to read um, a couple verses that Brother Boyd spoke of a little bit just um just as a starting place, these was the ones, the 12 men that Moses got together. And we know from what uh, we was reminded of last week that these was not just men that was randomly picked. These was leaders in their tribes. So they took and was picked, God said, or Moses said, go, spy out the land, and they did. And... Numbers 14, 36, this is the end result. And the men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing a slander, and listen to this, upon the land. They brought a slander upon the land. Now all 12, get this with me, all 12 was in the same environment. What had God told them all the time? It is a land that flows with what? Milk and honey. 
So Moses said, you go spy out the land. Ten of them come back and said, you know what? I'm going to tell what my eyes saw. And so they come back and they made all the congregation to murmur. You know what? They said, I don't see it like God said. It is a land with giants. It is a land with wall cities. And so then they come back and they said, you know what? I'm going to say it just like I seen it with my eyes. And what they did is they made the people murmur against Moses and they put a slander. Slander is an evil report. So all of a sudden, the people rose up and what they literally did was they put their word ahead of God's word. God said it is a land that flows with milk and honey. Ten of them said it is not. It's wall cities. It's all of these giants there. We're just this size and they're this size. And God said, no. Now let's read 37. Even those men, now we don't hear much about them, but that's why I want to read 37. Even those men which did bring up an evil report upon the land died by the plague. Now, died by the plague. Now bring that up to us. Be careful what you say about doctrine when it comes to us. Well, I just don't see it that way. Take this analogy. There's 10 that come back and said, you know what? I don't see it that way, Moses. God said it was a land that flows with milk and honey. But my eye seen it a different way. You're slandering what God said. You're slandering the land. The land flows with milk and honey. You're just trying to get in the flesh and stay in the flesh. And Joshua and Caleb is screaming, no. We can take the land. God said we're not going to inherit. This is our land. Let's go take it. It's ours. It's been given to us. And they're saying, no, we don't see it that way. So when somebody says in our day, you know what? I don't see that. You doing that, I don't see it that way. They're slandering the gospel. They're slandering God's word. And God said the ten that did that, here's the two things that it did. God said, you will die. I will not let that go. You will not slander my word and live. God, kill them by the plague. I'm not trying to start off negative. I want to give you the facts. God took their life. The second bad thing about that, if you would say, it caused the church to suffer because they believed what the ten said. Now, the ten that come up and said, you know what? I just don't see it that way. They paid with their life. They paid with their life. And Israel paid 38 years for just believing what they said. Now, let's go to the lesson. In Joshua, here we come all the way to the end. And you have in Joshua 7, in the... The scripture that it gives for us is Joshua 1, the first chapter, and it gives 7 through 9. So let's read it. It says, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all uh, according to the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand nor to the left that thou mayest prosper and be in uh, prosper wherever thou goest. The book of this law, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
For thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according to what is written therein. For then thou shalt shall thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, here he's taking him, and Moses is, or God is talking to Joshua here. And when God tells him in verse 7, only be strong and courageous, right before <clears throat> Moses dies, at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses tells Joshua this two times, right before he dies, in this, in, in this phrase, be strong and courageous. Now, God encourages Joshua here three times with this. You've got to be strong and courageous. Don't believe what your eyes see. I've given you this land. This is your inheritance. Be strong and courageous. Now, what Joshua done is take this and, and close uh, phrases to this and made it a motto in Israel. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because we're not fighting this battle alone. God has given this land to us for an inheritance. So we're going to do this. Now, he told him, he said in verse 8, <coughs> The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but you're going to meditate on it day and night. Now, God told him, the only way you're going to have success, we call it the Torah. The Torah is the five books that Moses wrote. you got to study it. you got to meditate on it. In other words, it can't depart out of your mouth. It must be on your lips at all times. But what about life? Well, what about life? Let the word dictate your life. Let it be in your heart. You know, it's just like when something happens, what's your first instinct? Just, I'm not trying to trick you here. God said, let the word depart not out of your mouth. Let your first instinct be me. Me. Give yourself to me. When you're in a jam, don't look for a big club. Call on me. Call on me. I'm the answer. Give yourself to me. So now, <clears throat> verse 9 says, Have I not uh, commanded thee, be strong, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Now, dismayed, I found unique because it literally means to be broken down. Now, to us, that might not mean much. But to them, that was literally going to take this land, that meant a lot. Because they weren't going to go up to someone and just, you know, you're in my way. Would you mind moving over? Be strong and courageous was a real life term. God said, don't be dismayed. The enemy that's in front of you, I have delivered into your hand. You have the strength. The sword is in your hand. Take your enemy. You have the power to do that. So he's telling them to do that. Now, I want to go back. <coughs> Pardon me. Excuse me. I want to go back and read 
Uh, let's start at verse 1 of Joshua. It said, Now the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, after the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, that it came to pass, Joshua the son of Nun, minister saying, Moses' minister saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people into the land which I have given to them, even the children of Israel. And this is the verse that we always quote. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that I have given you, as I uh, that I have given you, as I said unto Moses. Now, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. Not I will give you, I have given you. It's yours. But we can't play this in our mind as an open contract. Like God said, put you on the ground and start walking. Absolutely not. That's why we can't, as, as the church world says today, I'm saved and I can do anything I want. That's not true. Don't believe that. And I'll prove that right here. God said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours. But here's the boundaries in verse 4. Even from, from the wilderness of this Lebanon unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now, he told them, wherever your feet hits, so to speak, within these boundaries, I'm with you. Take your sword, defend the enemy, conquer the enemy, and I'll give to you. But you're going to have to fight for what I've given you. You can't sit on the porch and say, why me, God? How come I don't have nothing? And my neighbor over there has got this two-story mansion. You have got to fight for what I've given you. Now, the question was to Israel, how bad do you want it? Do you want to murmur and complain about why I don't have spiritualness? How come I can't feel God and my buddy's over here acting like he's just washed down with holiness? I'm serious. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I've given you the land. How bad do you want it? Take your sword and conquer the enemy. The end result is the same. It is yours. The choice is up to you. God said, I've given it to you. I've defined the boundaries in which you can have. Anywhere in these boundaries is yours. Don't let no enemy tell you you can't. I don't care if he's 10 foot tall or 2 foot tall. He will not be allowed to conquer you. It's a done deal. It's done. So he's, he's telling them this. Then... There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, he's telling them this. He said, I've given it to you, not give. I've given it to you. It's yours. Don't just sit around and hope for it. It is yours. Now, and then he takes them. These are the boundaries. This is not you can do anything you want. I'll bring this up to us. This is not we can do anything. God has given us great and precious promises in this word. Literally, if it's in the boundaries of this book, it is ours. How bad do I want it? It's the truth. It's the same analogy. 
God gave that inheritance to Israel. It was theirs. They literally had to possess it. That's why pastors preach God didn't give it all to them at a time because it was up to them to possess ever how much they wanted. That's why I can't come to say, you know, I just can't feel God like I want to. I mean it. I really mean it. Blame it on him. Blame it on the choir. Blame it on everybody else. But I'm the last one to blame it on. It's the truth. Israel could have said, I don't get it, Joshua. Why can't I have the house like my buddy? The case is your buddy is fighting like God said to fight, and you won't do it. God said to be strong and courageous. Take your sword, put it in your hand, and fight. It is a given. The promises are yours. So now, now, 2019, we have a lot of promises given to the church. If it's in the book, like I said, the book is the boundary. Great and precious promises. I can't blame it on him or nobody else. i got to blame it on me. God went to Calvary, suffered like he did, died, gave us his spirit, and we have the opportunity. That is why, that is why pastors has preached, ours just preached recently, you don't remove the landmark. They make this analogy, but I'm telling you, in the very beginning, the analogy started. It's two times Moses in his final book. He's telling the people, look, it goes back to slander. The landmark is put for your inheritance. And it's interesting to me, the Bible never says don't remove your landmark. Don't remove your neighbor's landmark. Because you trying to increase yourself cost somebody else. Well, it's all about me. No, it's not. You just encroached on somebody else and it cost them and their family of what you tried to increase. So that it was about the inheritance. So God has given us the same inheritance type promises. So I want to come in and I want to claim some. Well, how come I'm not this and how come I'm not that? I, I'm just going to the pastor and I'm going to tell him, why ain't I being used in this? Because God might have told him to keep his eye on me. Because I'm not where I need to be. We have the promises. That is why two times in Proverbs, the wise man used the word landmark. Do not remove the landmark. Don't remove the landmark. It's our inheritance that we're messing with. And God said, it is a good land. And it is great and precious promises. And when we start saying that, well, you know, I don't see it like that. We do it to our own detriment. But when it comes to God's holy word and what God has placed and put out for us, it is literally, I'm telling you, it is it is to our own detriment when we start like the spies. Well, let me tell you what I've seen. Really? I'd read some of these analogies, and I think I'd rethink that idea. So, that is why. I was thinking a word we ain't heard a long time. Sunday school. 
just welcome to Sunday school. Because, in fact, I told my wife, we was watching this particular minister, and, you know, rah, 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 and if you understand me, you understand me. If you don't, I, I hope you get it. And I said, you cannot have church like that every time you open the doors. You can't do it. This word has to be taught. The people has to know what to do. If it's just rah, rah, tear the walls down, just shout and just, wow, we go home and find. I'm not saying that there can't be services like that. I'm saying when life hits you right between the eyes, a song ain't going to get you out of this. You better have something embedded in your spirit that's going to get you through. When nobody else is around you, when nobody's near, you've got to have some of the word implanted in you that'll get you through. And I'm nothing against the singers, nothing against the singers. But what I'm saying is we have to slow this down and then let this word be ministered to us and embedded in us and get the doctrine in us because life is going to hit us and we have to know what to do. We must know what we believe because when somebody says, you know, what about this? You think that bothers me? I'm secure in what I believe because it's just not up to me. It's thus saith, it's not thus saith Kenneth, it's thus saith the Lord. And that's been settled with me a long time ago. So I'm not worried about telling somebody what I think. I can put them and show them and tell them what God thinks. Therefore, the pressure is not on me. You're not arguing with me. It's thus saith the Lord. Therefore, we study this. So as many of us learned in school, we learned about the nine planets. We learned about doing the, um, the timetables in school and the Pledge of Allegiance. It's just literally probably something we all took for granted. But as of, you might not be aware, but of, as of August 24, 2006, Pluto was no longer a planet in our solar system. Now, it just didn't disappear, but the International Astronomical Union, a group of scientists and astronomers who makes judgment on one thing in Prague, got together and just said, you know, we're going to drop Pluto. It's still there. Pluto didn't change. But their guidelines changed. Now, get this. It was discovered in 1930. It has five moons. Its mass is less than a fifth of our Earth's moon. Its elliptical orbit rounds the sun once in just 248 years, which is interesting to me, if no one else. Science determined that the independent planet comes under the gravitational influence of Neptune. And one guy in the WashingtonPost.com said, Dinky Pluto <laughs> loses its status as a planet. <laughs> so, for people like me that just grew up in school hearing about this and hearing about the nine planets, all of a sudden I'm told there's eight planets. 
So, um, but, you know, I'm joking about that, but that's true. I mean, it's just, they just determined, you know, we're we just going to drop it. It just don't meet our guidelines. So, but that's why I said uh, this is the only thing we can truly handle that we can put our hands on that won't change. And, boy, do we ever need this? I mean, do we ever need that? It is something that won't change. It No matter what life does, it, it just, it will not change. Now, he's telling them, and one thing that I wanted to read before I go any further that I actually forgot, in verse 10, to show you how serious this was, in Joshua 1.10, the phrase there, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. Now, when it said that he commanded the officers there, that, that literally carried a life and death sentence with it because they were so serious about that. If you took and you, if you took in any deviation from that, it was just of that covenant because it threatened the inheritance of the land. So there was no deviation. The ten had already lost their life. So I imagine when Joshua commanded these officers, they knew their life was on the line. And it literally was a life or death situation for them. Now, Joshua was appointed by God to lead this new generation to possess the land of promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, we hear that, and, and we have heard that, I guess, ever since the church has been going. But what that means to me, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not so much the name, but the bloodline. He says, you got to be in this bloodline. So the same thing is with us. When it comes to the New Testament church, you must have the name of Jesus applied to you. You've got to be in the bloodline. Because God said, I have promised them. He told Abraham, Literally, in the very beginning, it is to you and to your seed will I give you this land. So it was not just, you know, that is why so many, so many in the Middle East claim Abraham as their father. A lot of groups, they want Abraham. They want to cling to Abraham. Abraham's our father. But we know what the Bible says, and that's what we take. They wanted to claim Abraham. So... Joshua was given a threefold purpose. He was to lead the people over Jordan to their inheritance. He was to uh, lead the people to overcome the enemy and to possess the inheritance. God gave them the ability to do all three. They had been given this. Now, he had been given this commission by God himself. Literally, he was given this. Now, he never gave Joshua a task or he'll never give us a task that we can't fulfill. 
we can't be like the spies and say, you know, Lord, <laughs> my eyes see something different. You know, he, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. I won't fail you. I'll be with you. I'll give you the strength. They did it. Joshua had to exercise his faith to be strong and of good courage. Now, God's promises must be claimed by faith. And sometimes faith is like, well, I can't see it. Or I see something and it's not what I think it should look like. Well, we got to override that. We got to override that. And sometimes we have to make ourselves, have to literally make ourselves override that. But it can be done. God's sovereignty, literally, He is sovereign. He don't owe us nothing. It is us to us. It is up to us to accept the challenge. And yes, every inch of ground must be fought for, literally. And I'm not trying to be so negative about it. I'm just telling you, literally, the way it was. They had to fight for every inch of ground for the dominion over the enemy. Uh, told him, he said, God said to observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Stay in my word. You know, don't get, don't get side, as we would say, sidetracked. Stay in my word. Stay dedicated to my word and just stay there and you will go. His choice by choosing Joshua to, to lead Israel made him or uh, was up to Israel to make the choice to obey. Now, God had Moses. We've seen all of this. And then God chose Joshua. But yet, Moses had to, I mean, Israel had to choose to follow Joshua. It's the leader that God had chosen, but it was up to Israel to choose to follow the leader that God had put over them. And then there's two times as we, when we literally have to obey God. It's when we're blessed upon beyond measure and when we're tried beyond what we think is our patience. And both of those times, we've got to obey, obey God. We literally have to. If we believe God's word is true and his promises are never in doubt, then we must submit ourselves to him in obedience in order to receive those promises. Now, how much or what do you think it was like? Try to put yourself in Joshua and Caleb's shoes. If you have 10 that all they could see was the negative side, and I don't know what Joshua and Caleb had to be telling them, this is our land. These, this is what God has promised us. We have waited so long. Look at where we was in Egypt of the suffering that we went through. The way God brought us out and all of the miracles. And then now we get to here. And then the men that was chosen that had so much influence, says, you know what? All them hundreds of years that has led us to this point, and now you've got 10 saying, God's word, it didn't mean what he's saying. 
And what do you think must have been going through Joshua and Caleb's mind when they said, and they're, <laughs> they're screaming, we are more than able. We are more than able to conquer. And I go back to, to the, what I said. They was all in the same environment. They all seen the same thing. They all seen the same thing. They all was there. But when it come time to just put it on the line, it's just, we can't do it. We can't do it. And to slander God in this type of situation, it cost them. It cost them. Now, confidence to possess the promise literally comes from God's presence. That is why when we get in really unbelievable situations, it is God and his presence that brings us comfort and hope because life is so full of unbelievable, uncertain situations that we have. And it happens to everyone, everyone. It happens to everyone. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Now, it is strong. God's presence is strong to them who believe in his word, especially his word. He will stand by his promises when we stand by him, even when we cannot feel his presence. He is always there. We're to wait on him. His timing is always different from ours. We always want, We always think we're, well, I guess sometimes we think we're more qualified than what God may think of us. But, you know, I've prayed for something for 15 minutes. You know, where is the answer? I want it. You know, my Lord, how long have I got to pray about this? It's After all, it's been 15 minutes. I mean, you know, and then sometimes we may really not understand why we hadn't received it. You know, after all, you're God. I mean, you can do anything. You can answer a prayer in 15 seconds instead of 15 minutes. So, but God is God. His timing is perfect. The breakthrough for Jericho literally happened in a, through a uh, specific uh, strategy. They was waiting on the move, and God literally performed for them. But when Joshua went to Jericho, the city was tightly closed, walled up. It was literally an enemy that was to be taken. But what things unique about Jericho is we don't find no record we know where they marched and they marched, but the far as keeping silent, and this is just speculation, as far as keeping silent, there's, to my knowledge, there's nowhere in Scripture where God told Joshua to tell the people to do that. Now, I don't know. <laughs> speculation. Joshua and Caleb was the two that paid the price for the ten that God slew by the plague. So after 40 years of people mumbling, Joshua said, you're going to be quiet. We're going to march around the city, and you ain't going to open your mouth. I don't know. But this I do know. Joshua did tell them, you will open not your mouth. You will be quiet. And the people honored his request. And God honored Joshua. Because when they shouted, the walls fell down flat, the Bible says. So 
But my point is, is that the people honored their leader and God honored the leader. It works like it should. It works like it should. So this happened. But too often we talk our way, literally we can talk our way out of a promise and a plan. Now, that's why I'll just make a, a quick note here of the Shudamite woman. When she took and nothing to her, I would think, was any more precious than a child. And to have the situation happen like it happened with her, to have him, uh, I don't know for it, I'm assuming the child was young and then to pass away. And the situation happened like it, it did. But she, she surely could have become bitter. Because having what she had desired for so long and then to have it and then it's, it's gone, you know. But she literally put her trust in the one who gave that promise. So that's why that if you really feel God has authored something in your life, just like the Shunammite, that's why I've always said don't bury your promise. Because God is God no matter what we are looking at. And she took and she, God restored that. Um, we must not lose faith or momentum just because things are not looking out like we envision. In fact, I would say mm, 99, maybe I'm off, 99% of the time it's not going to work out like we envision. Because God is not working to our schedule and to our wants and desires. You know, because the way we do it, you know, God said, um, do you want to suffer for this or do you want me to just throw it on you now? Wow, that's hard. Just throw it on me now. But God knows what's best for us. And, and we look at it like sometimes, you know, did I really need to go through that? And that's why, I, you know, that's why I've always thought, you know, you, you can't stay in that attitude. You have to be very careful because if we stay in that attitude for long, we'll be blaming God. That's why we, we, we can't. We have to come to church, listen to what's being preached, you know, because God is fair and he's honorable. And just like the ten, whoa, whoa. God's been telling us it's milk and honey and we get there and these dudes are ten foot tall. Well, so what? Our God's a lot bigger than these dudes. So I got to come. I got to absorb what God's going to give me and go from there. And we can do that. We can do that. Confidence to possess the promise comes from God's power. That's why he said, the book, of, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. You must meditate it on, meditate on it night and day. Now, we know that's physically impossible to do that. Meditated on it night and day. But God is saying, this word can't be very far from your lips. You have got to know it. You've got to study it. You have got to dwell on it. That's why I'm saying, when everything goes wrong, let the first thought be God. The first thought. Because he is our refuge. He is our strength. God's promises are... 
secure, yet they are reserved for those who seek him. Now, to possess promises, we must grow and only, and we will only grow when we feed on the word of God. Now, when it comes, that's why I believe that's why in the New Testament, the Bible says, those that would hunger and thirst after righteousness, them to them shall be filled. That is why I believe the Bible says, and I, and I will make this an analogy, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread. This ain't about just walking to the Old Testament. Israel had to fight for every place their feet touched. So when it comes to church, if I'm coming just to mark time and to go home, then I've missed it. I'm telling you, I have missed it. But God said, if I would come in and hunger and thirst after him, then I would be filled. It's just like Israel. Every place at your feet. This, I'm telling you, with everything that's in me, this ain't about just walking. They had their sword in the hand, and they had to fight for every inch. It was already given to them, but they had to earn it. So God said, if you will come into my house, just like a sponge, I promise you when you leave, you will be filled. So that's the way we can do this. Now, the Bible says or we must grow in this journey to, to realize that we are capable of possessing all the promises, as many of them as we can. Now, we can do this in the sole purpose Growth of the soul is the greatest achievement and the most precious jewel. Now, when we come in and know God and come into his house, whether we, we can know God at home, we can know God anywhere, but the greatest possession that we can have is to know him. And just like Israel in the Old Testament going into their possession, they had to take their sword and fight for it. If you have revelations given to you from God, you have earned them. You will not sit down and just say, well, you hadn't picked up his word all week. You hadn't prayed nothing. You just show up and say, put it on me, God. I hate to tell you, but it ain't happening. I won't concrete that in because God is God. But I'm saying most likely... That won't happen. When you desire him, want to know him, you go and study and want him, then God will reveal Himself to you. God won't hold Himself back from you. That's why God said there won't be a man able to stand against you. The enemy is standing in front of you. God said, take your sword and do away with him. I hate to use graphic words, but take your sword and do away with him. Get rid of the enemy. I've delivered him into your hand. So now when it comes into us, you know, I want to know God. I'm so thirsty to know him. Well, you're in the right place. I promise you, you're in the right place. You can know him. Now, for no word of his power, no word from God shall be void of his power. 
That's why God said, I've given you this land. It is yours for the taking. You have the ability to possess it. God gave them a leader. God gave them the ability to possess that land, and it was literally theirs. Now, the greatest legacy that Moses gave Joshua was not the land, but it was the word, the first five books, the Torah that he gave, because that is what made it possible. I have given you this. This is your foreign inheritance. We gain power by meditating. Meditating, the Hebrew word for meditate means to mutter. It was a practice of the Jews to read scriptures aloud, which they did in the synagogues and which they did to their families. They literally muttered the word. It was on their lips, literally on their lips, and it was to be on their lips. God is the source of power, his word. He wants us to be what he wants us to be. Now, I want to ask you to stand, if you will. In southern Missouri, it gives a story here. I'll just make reference to it. Southern Missouri, they was a family that had um, the electric company that come along, started stringing electric lines, and literally they had none. They, you know, half of their lives, so to speak, was spent in the dark. And what they said was when they finally got the lines run is that some people, even though the lines was run, still wasn't willing to get the electric, even though some homes, they said you could go buy them and there would the lights on and some people was leery of it and they didn't, you know, said it cost too much. But people... They said a lot of people at that time rejected electricity in which some took advantage of. But it's just like with us in the spirit. It's available. How bad do I want it? Possessing the land is a given deal. I'm telling you, God said, that's why I believe the ten that caused this slander upon his word, God took their life. He said, I won't let that go. And though it did cause his church to suffer. But the thing of it is, the promises we have was just like them. We have the leader. We have the promises. So it's up to us to possess the promise. All we have to do is do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the ability. God, I thank you for all of this. The promises that you've given us, Lord Jesus. I ask you right now, Lord God, to strengthen us, Lord God. Touch us, God. Let us apply this to ourselves, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord God, in each and every life. Thank you for your goodness and your love and your affection, Lord God. Have your way. Touch us, God, I pray. The holy name of Jesus.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.